0: Hello everybody, welcome to the world's greatest Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I'm your co-host Mike Galanozorz, I'm joined by...
1: Joshua Mervell, and today we're going to be taking a look at some of the Spidey guest appearances from 1988.
0: That's right, and unfortunately, Bex Luthor cannot be with us, but G.I. Julie is here.
2: Ooh. Oh yeah, oh
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> Fresh off my one-week hiatus. <laughs> right?
1: Well, you, uh
0: recuperated from whatever it
1: is you're recuperating from
0: life life yeah
1: Yeah. mood Mm -hmm. um so today we're gonna actually gonna be getting uh things started with um the incredible hulk number 349 which is a continuation from the web of that we were talking about last episode so uh i'm just gonna start doing a quick recap of that we'll talk about that one first sure um so we we saw last issue there was like a weird gang war going on between these like weird military punk dudes um and essentially it's like they're they're killing each other and whoever is the winner at the end wins the competition um and this is all taking place in vegas while Peter Parker is there on his book tour uh, as both Spider-Man and Peter Parker, like selling the photos of Spider-Man from the Daily of the bugle. Um, so he also, we also learned that the Hulk is here and he's renamed himself, Mr. Fix-It. And that's kind of like where we leave off last issues. Is we get this surprise reveal that this guy in the shadow shadows is the Hulk so this one starts off Hulk is kind of like angry at these military men because they seem to be like messing with his casino I guess that he runs or whatever it is he's doing here he's not a big fan of these warzone guys Um, Spidey's kind of like caught in the middle of this feud that's going on and um, Hulk is like trying to punch these guys and essentially like destroy them get rid of them (laughs) And Spidey's stopping them, like he's like these are bad guys, but like, yo, dude, you need to chill. He also doesn't realize it's the Hulk, I guess, even though last issue even though was.
0: we'll talk about that, it drives me crazy. But yeah,
1: um, but uh, so the 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 War guys they run away and they continue fighting each other. Spider Man throws a couple of spider trackers on them as they kind of make their getaway, and um, the Hulk is left there fighting spider-man and um that's kind of what those two do for the rest of the issue almost it's those two kind of like duking it out and fighting um so that happens for quite a while they end up in like a parking garage which like hulk lures spider-man into because it's easier for him to fight there Um, there's some kind of like fun things that they're doing but we cut over to the Warzone gang. Now, there's four of them, I believe. There's Alpha, Bay, uh Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta. Hmm. Alpha, I believe is Ponytail. <laughs> Charlie is the woman. Bravo is the guy with, like, the the military, like, flat top buzz buzz cut looking thing. And Delta is the one with the Mohawk. Honestly, I don't really know any of them. They're not really memorable besides Charlie Mm -hmm. because she kind of has some interactions with both Spider-Man and the Hulk. The -hmm. other three honestly don't matter. Like (laughs) nothing that they do in this issue matters. There's a bunch of fighting between all of them. Like Alpha shows or Bravo shows up and like kills Delta and he gets blown off a building at one point. And then he shows up again later on. Um, We also kind of get this like weird. Like little interlude like uh, a thing going on in the background where this must be some sort of like ongoing Hulk story that we're not familiar with because I have no idea what's going on here but this guy who's like running the who's trying to like take over Vegas I guess mm-hmm. is there like crunching numbers calling people and then his boss comes in and he's like listen you have Charlie or not Charlie a uh, Tony you haven't been running this place properly you should have had Vegas in the palm of your hand and then he just kills him like he, he murks him so the Ooh. boss just offs him and I don't believe he shows up again for the rest of the issue um spidey and hulk are still duking it out there's some really cool things like uh spidey's having a hard time fighting him so uh he like takes a punch from the hulk so he can use that punch as momentum for, like, a slingshot attack to come back and hit Hulk in the face. Like, that's super fun and creative. Probably the best thing in the book, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut over the ga- the Warzone gang. They're still, like, fighting and shooting each other. Um, uh, one of them ends up stabbing Charlie, and she... Get, she crashes through a building and she's left lifeless on the street and spider-man kind of like goes there and and is like trying to save her and like she's dead um and hulk is kind of like yeah i'm satisfied with this i really don't care about any of these guys i'm out of here and he jumps away so spider-man's kind of left there with this body like what the heck am i going to do so he leaves uh we are kind of like in the middle of the desert now this fight is still going on they're fighting each other and shooting each other and uh we cut back to charlie and she breathes back to life like she gasps back to life she pulls this thing that she was stabbed with out of her chest and she's completely fine um and who's there waiting for her but the hulk he grabs her uh and pretty much says like you're gonna tell me everything i need to know about what the heck you guys are doing here in the war zone uh or or you're gonna die cut over to spider-man as he's with the other three trying to stop this like big fight going on uh who whoever this is probably delta or bravo or whoever um is fighting spider-man and then he like shoots one of those big like like las vegas signs down and spider-man is left there holding this thing trying to save civilians under the building hulk shows up and he grabs uh uh, bravo by the arms and he snaps them off and we see all this like circuitry Mm -hmm. and like zapping happening out of his arms and um he uh he helps Spider-Man lift the billboard sign back up so it's out of safety and the civilians won't uh, die. And it, he reveals to Spider-Man that they're actually all androids, and um, they have this yearly competition to to see who's going to win. So they like kill each other until there's only one left, and then they all kind of like come back because they're robots. And the winner gets this amulet that they found and it gives Mm -hmm. them like even stronger powers so alpha if i remember correctly has had it for the past few years running and because he's won it and he has the medallion he's always the strongest one and wins um but uh one of them ends up winning and he i think they say something like the war zone's done don't worry about it, and Spidey's like, You're satisfied with this? Hulk's like, Yep, I really don't give a shit. So, Spidey leaves. Hulk's like, Okay, I'm done. He goes home and he's ordering room service when Dr. Doom shows up, and we're left on like a cliffhanger for what's gonna happen next. So, honestly, like, kind of a lot of like weird small things happen with the war zone, but it's not super important, honestly. Like, they're They're kind of just going back and forth fighting each other. And the only thing that happens is we learn that these guys are robots and they have a magic amulet and everything goes back to normal. And Hulk and Spidey just decide to leave and like not resolve anything that's happened.
0: Okay, can I just say I think this issue is garbage, pretty much garbage. Like I usually love Peter David, but number one at the end of Web of Spider-Man Number 44, he recognizes that Mr. Fix-It is the Hulk. Then throughout half of this issue, he can't figure out who this guy is. And he keeps saying, whoever this guy is, it's the same writer. How did oh Peter David, d- you know, screw this up now? Unless that one bit of dialogue was added in by the editor in web number 44, mm. that's possible. But at the same time, okay, let's just assume that's what happened. As a writer, why would you want to waste half of an issue with a character you know what it reminds me of it's a whole Hollywood trope like that movie um that volcano movie with Tommy Lee Jones well it doesn't matter anyway okay so there's a volcano movie with Tommy Lee Jones and at the beginning of the movie the girl scientist says to him uh you know we have a a wave of lava coming in or over the you know hillside or whatever For half the movie, Tommy Lee Jones is like, well, I don't believe that it's lava, whatever it is. And so the entire movie, he spends denying the fact that it's lava. And then halfway through, he accepts that it's lava. But is this his character arc? This is shitty writing. What is the point of having that denial in there when it's just so obvious in your face? It's just so stupid, you know? And, and then to, not only to make it a, a plot point of this issue that he doesn't know who he is and can't figure it out but also the fact that he already figured it out it just ruins the whole issue for me on top of the fact that I already don't like these characters I don't like the revelation about this stupid ruby which makes it even worse Yeah, it's just like two uh, cliche stereotype MacGuffins just shoved together like the fact that they're this kind of war games thing killing each other and they're after this medallion that has nothing it's like cramming together two genres that don't go together and mm. I don't know I just thought the whole issue there was also a lot of jokes and I usually I like Peter David's jokes but all the jokes in this one seemed forced all of about- them oh
2: you didn't like the joke where the Hulk was like he can't hurt you anymore he's unarmed uh, and he's holding
1: yeah. his arms like, there, I could, there was cr- one joke that I thought was funny in the entire book okay with the um when Spider-Man's holding up the sign and he's like got both arms outstretched up in the air like trying to save civilians and Hulk turns to him and says, hey Spider-Man, ticklish? Oh, I thought that was geez. kind of funny.
0: Yeah, that wasn't too bad, but the yeah. other ones were like um, forced puns. I don't yeah. know. I just didn't like them. Ugh. Anyway, Jolie, what were you going to say? I just said it. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know. know. What, did you oh
2: no, there's really nothing yeah. to add other than yeah. I'm suspicious. Well, it was mostly about volcano because it's very interesting. Um, oh, about the movie. Up volcano. <laughs> okay. No, that's all I had. Oh. Tommy Lee Jones, Anne Hae, John Don Cheadle. All I want to say is that movie made 122 million dollars mm-hmm. in 1997. That is like that was what would. I would say like this is this comic is the blockbuster equivalent to that what that movie was to 1997. You know just <laughs> fodder for like the theatre-goers.
0: Well anyway, wild. on top of everything else I said, I also thought the art of this issue was garbage. Now, just mm. so you guys know, well, here, here's the thing. Jeff Purves, actually, the artist that drew Hulk right before Jeff Purves was Todd McFarlane, okay? So he this is that kind of made him a star and then going to Spider-Man made him a superstar. So I don't expect you to be able to follow Todd McFarlane. Jeff Purvis is actually a really good artist, but here he's teamed with Terry Austin, yeah. who is a legend in the industry for him for inking John Byrne on X Men. But by this point in his career, as you can see, his inking is—it's almost—it's it's like non-existent. It's like sketchy and just—I don't know. It's I mean,
2: just lines.
0: Yeah, it's just lines, there's no depth, there's no detail, there's no texture, mm. there's no shadow. Well,
2: here's the thing, I don't honestly mind that, either. I don't, like, a whatever, there, there isn't a te- any texture. But, it's not, it doesn't distract from the art, it's pretty true to the art, and I actually kind of like this. I kind of like the art, I don't mind it, it's not like, you know, revolutionary Right home mm. about uh art but it's not terrible
1: yeah i um besides the hulk's face which Mm. i I think is just a design thing i'm so confused why he looks like this in the gray Mm. state like it just so looks off a lot of the times um but it's consistent throughout really. So it's yeah. just, I think it's a, it's a design thing. I don't, I, I don't like, um, I, yeah, I, I definitely noticed that the, there was like no depth or shading or anything like that, but, um, mm-hmm. the art itself is really good. And the fact that it's kind of flat makes it more like poppy, mm-hmm. which kind of fits for like a Las Vegas, like shoot 'em up, like goofy story.
2: Mm-hmm. So I think it's,
1: yeah, I think the art's fine. It's definitely not my favorite, but um, I I think the style kind of works for the story.
2: It, yeah, I agree with Josh. And here's also, the thing.
0: Oh, go ahead.
1: I
2: was gonna say there's um there's something about Charlie's costume that is kind of suspicious, and I suspect that their costume was just a vest with a lace front, and that the red coloring was added as a shirt. Like, I don't think that that there, there uh, was ever a red shirt in that situation. I think it was like their exposed breasts, mm. you know, and that was I the can style see that for sure. Yeah. Cause it just, the coloring seems really stark and right. n- no bralette or bandeau top is ever going to fall like that on someone's chest um, with the outline of their breasts. So it's kind of like, I feel like that was like a comics code. Edition, Mm. you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Actually, now that you say that, if you go to the first page, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can see that she doesn't have the red shirt on. You can see, like, side boob.
0: (gasps) Yep. Cool. Okay, hold the phone. Hold on. I have to check this out just a second here.
1: You can see her bear. Oh,
0: yes, you can. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So you're totally right, Jodi.
0: Yeah.
1: They definitely... Um added that in as a comic code thing yeah they, wow. need,
0: they need to
2: recolor that and give her her proper nose shirt
0: <laughs> so here l- let me just revise what I said Th- there's one thing about this art that I will appreciate there was this era of art in the late 80s this is one um, sample there's another uh, one and that's Marshall Rogers who I don't know if we've come across on this podcast but he has a somewhat similar kind of style and he did Silver Surfer with Steve Englehart, and I believe Terry Austin also inked him. And it has a very similar vibe. It almost, it, I appreciate the fact that it's cartoony and artificial looking and flat, and it does have a charm mm-hmm. to it. Um, it's just that, I don't know, it, it's almost like a, a byproduct. And I don't know mm-hmm. if it's intentional, but it's a mm-hmm. byproduct of the, in my opinion, poor inking. It's almost like when you're watching an '80s cartoon, and there's all these good episodes, and there's that one or two episodes that are mm. terrible. You still <laughs> appreciate them because of their charm, you know?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. It's definitely not my favorite
1: art, and mm. I, I, it's glaringly obvious that there's no texturing and, and shading besides the shading that was there in the pencils, mm-hmm. right? Right, like the right, obvious right. like few few times with their shading. Um, but yeah, again, it's like. I think for this one, because of the story, it kind of makes it more of like a minor issue.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: kind of works, e- even if it's a little lazy and feels unfinished. Um, the story feels very unfinished.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why
1: did they have to make give them a magic amulet? That's like, why... They I, gave
2: I, robots an amulet to fight over. That seems weird.
1: Yeah, I kind of like the idea of like robots in the middle of the desert that are just programmed to constantly fight each other and it's a competition that is super fun like some weird scientist somewhere created robots for like a war and their whole goal was to like win this war and to always be best and bettering themselves so it's like yeah every year or whatever they're constantly fighting each other to get better and better and better to see who's who's going to come on top. And because the scientist is no longer around, they're kind of stuck in this cycle of constantly fighting each other, dying, rebooting and coming back and doing it all over again. That's super fun. Um and it's, yep. it's it kind of fits in this weird Hulk story where he's like a kingpin in Las Vegas, Spidey's on vacation, like this story could have been like one of those weird one-off goofy fun stories. But it just, I don't know, none of it really makes sense. I think we focus too much on these Warzone characters that all look the same and act the same and there's nothing differentiating them. And they're all fighting each other and we're not really getting like a story behind it. We're just kind of getting guns getting shot.
0: Well, it could have been like a Westworld thing. Almost right. Yeah. yeah, you've seen Westworld, right? Yeah, and it, it's almost like if they if you take this kind of B idea, B movie idea, you could have done something interesting. But it's almost like when you have a vampire story, and then you reveal there's also werewolves. It's like oh, <laughs> there's werewolves.
2: always also yeah. werewolves. Right. Though. It's when you introduce the fae. <laughs> I'm looking at you, True Blood. the fae, and then additional, like, trolls? It it just kind of gets too much.
0: Or it's like, okay, I can accept vampires and werewolves, but it's like, oh, there's also creatures from the Black Lagoon! 20 of them, you know? Like, how far are you gonna go with this? These tropes? I don't know. Which
2: is... Oh, great. Which is...
0: Hey, don't get me wrong, DC has creature commandos. Have you ever heard of creature creature (laughs) commandos? Google it. A platoon of soldiers made up of Dracula, Frankenstein... Listen, the Mummy and, and the Wolfman, I think. I'm yeah.
1: still not over the, the failure of the Dark Universe,
0: okay? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let's not talk okay. about that. <laughs> On that
0: note, we should wrap up this review. Yeah. Uh, okay, this this was a bad issue of The Hulk. So, ugh. I'm not going to say don't read it, but if you're going to read an issue of The Hulk, do not start here. Mm-mm. Like, start... if You might as well go to 330, which is Peter David's first issue. And I believe McFarlane started right after that. So... The, Mc- the Peter David Todd McFarlane Hulk run is a classic. And unfortunately, this is a bad example of Peter David's Hulk run. So I think he really shit the bed on this one. Uh, Josh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's kind of a stinker. Um, it feels like a waste of a Spider-Man appearance. Um, right. For him to just kind of like fight the Hulk and then be like, ah, eh, whatever, and then leave at the end. Like there's no resolution to <laughs> any story that's happening like uh-huh. nothing happens in the, in this a bunch of people fight each other and then they go oh we, we have a magic amulet and they're like okay and they go their separate ways like that's that's what happens in this story so yeah it's a bit of <laughs> it's a bit of a oh. letdown i wouldn't recommend it
0: one more thing the yeah. fact that the very next issue is also a crossover and it's with fantastic four makes it even worse because to me mm-hmm. it shows how desperate they were to get yeah. new readers by these cheap crossovers, but anyway, GI Jolie, what do you think of this one?
2: Mm, it, it's like sort of like a failure, level. failure to launch idea. Uh huh. There's really great bones, mm-hmm. um, of a maybe story. I recommend it to anyone who would like to see Gray Hulk in a maroon gangster suit, but just Google that. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, there's. Ah, uh, just—I'm so disappointed that like we had robots and a a magic amulet subplot, and this is the story that came out of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like in we could tell this story better and more in a more interesting way, in a recant like in us telling it on this podcast or retelling it to just like strangers in a bar than right. they were, ex- you know, than they were even able to execute it in a freaking comic. So mm-hmm. right. Sorry.
0: Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. Um, okay, so we're going to jump now. Okay, this comic came out 34 years ago. I somehow have never, ever read this. We are going to review Damage Control number one, mm-hmm. and Josh and I are going to team up. Josh, do you, Well, I can do the first half if you want. Sure, yeah. Okay, cool. So, for anyone that doesn't know, the premise of this comic, as you can see by the cover, is we've got Spider-Man and Thor kind of um, leaving the scene of a of a big superhero battle that they've had in a city, and we see a, a giant robot foot, kind of like who's a robot that's been tipped over or knocked over. Thor's flying away. Spider-Man's walking towards the reader, and then Spider-Man says to these three people, "It's all yours, guys." And then the woman says, "Thanks a lot." And we see a businessman in a suit with his arms crossed, and we see like a construction guy holding like a whatever that's called wrench thing. And so, obviously, it's meant to be comedic. And at the top, it says, when the superheroes need help, they call damage control. And I always knew what the premise of this book was, but I'd never read it. And so, mm. it's a bit unu- it's a bit unusual because... Um, this cover, though, is awesome. Before you get into to, like, the story,
1: I love this cover so right. much. It's great.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, to take a page from Flea Market Fantasy, I'll talk about the creators very quickly. Dwayne McDuffie, uh, he's one of the people that wrote the Justice League cartoon in the late nineties, two thousands.
1: Okay.
0: He also was one of the co-founders of milestone media. And yeah, he's just kind of a, you know, a veteran of the industry. Unfortunately he died. I'm not sure when, about 10 years ago or so, but you know, he's, he's critically acclaimed writer. Yeah. This artist. What's that?
2: Nothing. I'm just saying, yes, he died about 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. He was from Detroit. Oh, cool. Cool. And then the artist here is Ernie Colon. Who Jolie and I have come across in um, from Gem, Princess or not Gem, um, Amethyst, Princess of Gem World.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's a very like when I I would say his art reminds me most of something like Mad Magazine, where each panel is a complete little story into itself. Like each panel has enough in it. That it tells its own little mini story, like with the body language and the little details he puts in. He's more of a light, sort of funny artist, but that doesn't, I'm not taking away from how good he is. I think he's actually a really good artist. Sometimes, like on your first glance, you might think his art is kind of over exaggerated or kind of ugly, but once you get used to it, I, I think he's actually really good. So, anyway, so we open up the story with a battle between. The Avengers with Spider-Man and this giant robot that I think is meant to be a satire of Transformers. It's a giant robot that can change its shape and also change its mass. And uh, it's fighting Spider-Man, Black Knight, Thor, and She-Hulk in the middle of New York City. And eventually, um, the robot gets defeated, but Spider-Man... Is trapped inside the mouth of this robot because this robot's changing shape, and one of the things it does is it kind of looks like it has like a little dragon's head. And Spider-Man swings inside, and he's trying to go, in, trying to find the control room so that he can shut it down. And he does shut it down, but then he gets trapped inside, right? Mm-hmm. Then we cut over to this guy who is on his way to work, and uh, we, we kind of cut over and we see this wide shot of um, this big um, like building that's been knocked over in this in this battle and he's trying he's trying to get to work it looks like he's trying to get through traffic but he can't because of all this damage caused by the by the superhero battle and so he finally uh he makes his way and he's kind of like thinking as he goes along he makes his way to his first day of work and he walks in the building and we see this big sign that says damage control and it's kind of a running gag where he, he walks by this secretary who's on the phone just gossiping right mm. And so she's not really much help for him. And she's like, may I help you? And she eventually um, lets him into this office. And then he goes in. And the first person he comes across is Thunderball from the Wrecking Crew, who we know from the various Spider-Man crossovers Mm -hmm. or uh, guest appearances that he made a couple years ago. And so right away you're thinking, okay, what is this supervillain doing sitting in this office? Um, So Thunderball tells this story about how he was robbing a bank... And he threw his wrecking ball <laughs> uh, through the wall and smashed through the wall. And so, then the guy's like, oh, I get it. You want us to fix up the building you smashed? He's like, not exactly. What he's actually there for is he's there to search through the lost and found because he wants to find his wrecking ball. So, I thought that was so really great. funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I that was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Um, so then he meets like this woman and they're walking along and, uh, and then she's showing him around this building. And the first thing she shows him is, is this thing called traffic central, where we keep track of everything that's going on, I guess, in the city. And, um, and then, uh, and then he introduces her to this woman named Robin, who I guess is, is she in charge? I can't remember. She,
1: she works there, but, uh, she was up for his job. So they kind of have mm-hmm. like a little back and forth because she wanted this job but they ended up hiring somebody new for the job so she does work there and is kind of like in management but she's not Mm. the the boss okay um and yeah she introduces him to this like new character who's like i guess like a building manager or like a, a construction manager and they're doing work on the world trade center and we see that the robot has actually yes. crashed into the world trade center which is kind of uh, a, a surreal weird thing to read about but um we see that he's kind of like leaning up against and it's cracked so uh he's worried that he's out of a job because you know they're not gonna you know fix that
0: it's also a great splash page that robot eh? yeah i think yeah, it's, it's really so cool.
1: good yeah, the like, perspective again, of like the leg coming towards and like yes. intertwined in the building super fun.
0: And it's obviously a little bit over the top because of the size of him and the twin towers, and but it's just it's a great shot. Yeah. And then um then we cut back over to the Avengers who are, are trying to break into this giant robot's head to get Spider Man out, and they can't do it. <laughs> and so I think it's so funny because eventually they're just like, Okay, well, you know what, we, we can't get him out, so we're just gonna take off.
1: Yeah, um, like, oh, like, sorry, we have, a, we, have an, uh, we have something else we got to do. And they, all, they, all the Avengers just leave him inside right. the robot trap.
0: And he's like, we shall return for you as soon as we can. Avengers assemble! <laughs> Swoosh, they <laughs> fly away. I love
1: it. And I love that we cut back to him, too, in, like, the fetal position. Like, oh, terrific. Like, he's just alone in the darkness right. inside this robot. It's great.
0: Yep. And so right. then we cut back over to Thunderball. Um, and so it looks like he found his Thunderball. <laughs> and, um, and then we, and then we see the secretary still gossiping on the phone. Right. And then we, uh, and then we cut over to, uh, look, this actually looks like Dwayne McDuffie here. This is the tall guy. We, we cut over to, mm. um, oh, wait, is he the same guy from the beginning? No, no, he's not. No, no, no. Okay. No, different guy. So we see this meeting and, uh, sorry, I'm just skipping back here. Mm-hmm.
1: And we uh, we, kind of like cut over to like them trying to figure out what they're going to do about this giant robot. mm -hmm. And we are introduced to this like uh, new character. He's almost like a tinkerer for the good guy team. Right. Um, We see him like using these like big stilts going through like his robot workshop. And they're kind of like talking to him about coming up with a plan to get rid of this gigantic robot that is covering New York (laughs) City. Um, we have this, we cut over to this weird subplot cut in that does not come back in this story where some construction guys see like an orb in the ground while they're digging and the one, the one construction worker picks it up and he essentially turns into a hulk and jumps away.
0: And here's the thing. Okay. I, I haven't read ahead, so I don't know what happens. But I think it's hilarious, and I think that it's so funny that on the next page, the construction guy's like, "No, I could use a tech team here, though. One of my men just had an origin." Yeah, <laughs> that was that's so, so funny,
1: great, right? That the, their I mean, code word for that is origin. That's, I
0: love it. Yeah. Oh, so but and here's the thing though is if this character comes back and they explain why he's green, fine. But I thought that one improvement they could have made is just make him a different color because yeah. clearly when you see him, it's like, oh, it's the Hulk, right? So,
1: mm-hmm. but anyway um but we cut over to uh back over to spider-man and the gang is there they're trying to like cut into it trying to save him um spider-man is inside trying to possibly like reboot the robot Uh uh while the this tinkerer guy is like working on putting something inside of the giant robot um we also see there's like a I can't remember what happens. They like dig up a gun or something in the construction site as well. Or, oh, sorry. No, no, no. This, sorry. This device that's brought over is the thing that was installed in the robot. And once the robot is rebooted, we see that it turns on and starts flashing. We're a little bit confused as to what's happening. We see the robot get up and we're kind of left like, oh no, is the robot coming back to life? But no, this is all part of the plan. The, uh, uh Mr. Uh, the, the, the agent presses a button and. And the robot starts shrinking and converting. And we see the arms fold in and the neck kind of twist around. And it turns into a little
0: beetle. Right, a little little uh, Volkswagen Beetle. (laughs)
1: Volkswagen Beetle. And uh, they pop pop open the trunk and Spider-Man is inside. He says thanks for for helping out and swings away. And we're um, uh, kind of left with... uh, uh the two characters um uh the guy and the girl yeah yeah they're they're kind of, they kind of like make amends and they go out for a drink, and then we see that the we kind of have like a, another world trade center uh, yeah, it just is says- is like mostly fixed. Yeah,
0: it says meanwhile back at the world trade center and we see the guy looking at the twin towers and one of them is completely mis like misaligned in the mm-hmm. way that it's been rebuilt he's like ah oh, what the heck close enough yeah um so i love this comic um yeah. the closest thing that i can say to this that was around at the time would have been justice league international which was the funny version of the justice league with booster gold blue beetle mm-hmm. guy gardner that whole bit and this was not quite as funny, but in a way it was a little bit more creative. Like these gags were not just stupid, they weren't just throwaway, they were built into the story and mm-hmm. I don't know, that's what I liked about it. And I think the art is so perfect for this. Like that that even that last panel is a great example of the way that the guy is kind of just looking at the twin towers like mm-hmm. he's a perfect artist for this this genre, I think. And the whole gag about <laughs> Again, this is not this is not stupid. This is creativity. The giant robot transforming into a ton, like a, a regular size Volkswagen Beetle is so funny. And the fact that Spider Man just ends up in the trunk, like, that's hilarious. Right. Um and not only okay, so anyway, the point is is I love this book and I also think it would be perfect for a Marvel TV show. Yeah. Perfect.
1: Apparently they were there is a pilot on really? the internet somewhere of yeah. this show. I'm pretty sure they, That's what I thought. Like Alan Tudyk I believe was even cast in it like it was like a oh big thing oh my god
0: really yeah. yeah and it
2: didn't um, they kind of it was like almost like project superpowers where they the whole thing was I think Vanessa Hudgens was in it too but it, it was like oh, yeah. they are damage controlled what happens when superheroes like you know fuck up the city mm-hmm. They. this is
1: the crew maybe it was a DC thing
0: No, okay. Is it? Yeah. It says here it was slated to be produced by Marvel. And there is a picture here. uh, Production, okay, on October 25th, 2015, ABC ordered a pilot.
1: Mm. Yeah, because this was around the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. era. And it was going to be like an ABC show.
0: But they never, I guess they never actually filmed it. It doesn't look like. I could have
1: sworn I saw like a trailer or something for it.
2: Hmm. Yeah, not to be confused with the MTV reality TV show of 2005 damage control.
0: <laughs> no. no. Right.
2: Um, let's see. Well, in any
0: case. Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't know what to what else to say about this. Again, this is something I would have ate up when I was a kid. I cannot believe that it took me this long to read it. And even when I posted um some sample pages from this series, there's one I won't say who who he is, but there's always that one guy on this Facebook page that I posted who's got to be kind of a contrarian about everything, everything that everyone posts. And he had to be like, well, surely a one trick pony series whose trick quickly wears thin unless the characterization is superb. In other words, he hasn't read it. Right. So there's kind of this um, resistance from a lot of superhero fans to anything that's remotely funny or remotely i don't know i think that 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 takes away from the uh seriousness of superheroes like you know it's kind of like when i was a teenager and i i didn't want to talk about the adam west batman i want to talk about the michael keaton batman because michael keaton batman's cool and the adam west batman was embarrassing now i realize the adam west batman's brilliant but Mm. anyway
1: so i'm sorry powerless yes
0: that's it yes was
1: the tv show and it was a dc
0: okay yeah uh, right. a
1: universe thing that was with alan tunic and Ven- vanessa uh, hudgens and I, that might also be one of the reasons why um they didn't make, uh, damage, they control? Didn't make damage control because okay. it was developed and created around the same time
2: yeah. mm. adam west was actually in it too mm-hmm.
1: what
2: yeah yeah i think they uh, even had like a Daniel starro Pretty.
1: episode
2: ron funches mm. Yeah. I got to go back and watch this show. Danny
0: Pooty. Yeah, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. So, G.I. Julie, you haven't told us what you thought of this comic book. What would you think of it?
2: Well, after rereading it during your retelling, I realized what I was reading. It reminds me, I liked it a lot. Like, a lot. Well, not like tons, but I didn't hate it. And that's okay. new. Okay. Those are new vibes. Because <laughs> um, the vibe is always... This is junk. But um, this was like fun. That's why you're on the show. Right? <laughs> yeah. back Move over, Becca. There's a new garbage queen.
0: <laughs>
2: no. Okay. Um, I can't take her place. There's just a sincerity that's lacking. I can't fake it. She, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and she doesn't fake it. She loves what she loves. And that is why she's missed. But anyway, um, enough lamenting the it reminds me of sort of like of m- marvels where like you see superheroes from another perspective sure. but you're not like looking you're not yes. seeing spider-man crawl up a building you know um it's just it's like gotham uh gcpd where you just are seeing mm, the service workers around superheroes <laughs> which mm-hmm. is kind of fun um I, f- I felt like the, the cameos were kind of shoehorn though like um, it didn't make, like, She-Hulk didn't really make sense. She just kind of appeared and then wasn't there. And also Spider-Man felt very shoehorned in. Am I, or am I thinking of the next issue we're going to talk
1: about?
0: Yeah, no, this one, he was fine, I thought. Uh, yeah,
1: I think the next issue it mm-hmm. feels less connected. This one, I think, is, for me, it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I It was, like, a little, like, okay, I guess did we really need to have Spider-Man trapped inside? No. But... Yeah. Because it's kind of, like, weird that the Avengers just leave him, I think. Right? Like, it's a funny joke. Right. But it's, it feels really out of character that they would be like, "Ah, right. sorry, Spider-Man, you're out of luck. Deal with this yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think... Yeah, and at this time, She-Hulk is part of the Avengers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, like... Yeah, I think um, the cameos are fine. They're, it's a, a weird moment to have Spidey stuck in there, but I don't
2: know. Yeah.
0: It's well, is. oh, go ahead, Jolie.
2: I said it is what it is.
0: Yeah. And here's the thing: is I also I want to point out that um, uh, Alan Morris you know, revolutionary character or his take on a character, Miracle Man, which is what led to Watchmen, that was actually inspired by a comedic take on Superman from, it might have been the 50s, it was called Super Duper Man. And I don't know if it was in Mad Magazine or what it it was in. But I think it's interesting that sometimes when you you do a satire or a a parody or whatever, it, it kind of frees up your imagination a little bit. And I think, Julie, you pointed out something that I wonder if this comic is partly what inspired Marvels because I don't think if if you Go had ahead. a writer like Dwayne McDuffie or um, an artist like Ernie Colon, if they hadn't thought of the idea to just do a goofy take on superheroes by going to these pedestrians, that if we ever would have got something like Marvel. So, I think that's actually a good observation mm-hmm. that there's a connection there for sure. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have read this as a kid. Now here's the thing. I found out some interesting <laughs> news about damage control. There's gonna be a new five-part mini-series. This was just announced like oh. a few weeks ago. And the art is gonna be done by Michigan's favorite son, Jay Fosgett. So we will have to pick up oh. that comic and possibly review it on the show. Hey, and give it an artificially back. Yeah. There you go. We can give it an artificially positive, glowing review because we're friends <laughs> with them. <laughs> But yeah, that'd be great, GI Julie. Maybe you can set that up, eh?
2: Maybe I can. All right, <laughs> I'll try my use your feminine one. wiles.
0: Um. So anyway, um. Yeah. I. I mean, again, this is not a masterpiece. Um. If you're gonna compare it to Justice League International, eh, maybe it's not quite as good. But I definitely wish I would read this as a kid, and I give it a high recommendation, especially since. Um, A lot of people, some people think that Marvel's quality started to decline around 1986-87. This book is 1988 and I think this is an example of, you know, it it proves that they were still being creative at the time and still taking chances and I think it's a really fun book. Uh, Josh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, the the story is super fun. Very creative. uh, I love the art. I am definitely going to be finishing this four issue run, like, for sure. Um, So it's a high recommend
0: for me for for the first issue it's great awesome gi julie
1: yes
2: everything you said just all right this is definitely like the reason why we do this show is to like dig out the buried treasure and this is like some pretty kooky fun buried treasure
0: (laughs) right right yeah Mm -hmm. and that's why i love doing these crossovers because we we get to sample other marvel comics right so anyway Mm -hmm. it's good fun and with that, now we are gonna jump to Mark Spector Moon Knight number two. So this is, I believe, the second volume. Yes. See, I love this. Back in these days, they they used to give every like if a if a comic was canceled, and then restarted a few years later, they'd give it a volume. So this is. Oh no, it's still it's still volume one. Okay, so what they would do is if there was New Teen Titans and then they started a new series, they'd call it New Teen Titans Volume 2 so you could keep track. Now they reboot every year and they don't do that. The way that they got around it by avoiding calling something a Volume 2 is they'd give it a little subtitle, right? In in this case, Mark Specter, Moon Knight. That's the title of this series. So this would have been the second volume of of Moon Knight. And uh, okay, first I'm just going to say that it's written by Charles Dixon, who is famous for two, three things, writing Batman in the 90s, um, having extreme right-wing politics in the latter days of his career up until now, to the point that he's part of, I believe, Comicsgate. Pardon me if he isn't. Chuck. Uh, and number three, he's also famous for supposedly writing more... Comic books than any other writer in history, which is a claim I dispute because it just can't possibly be true because he's Chuck Dixon. But anyway, um, the artist by Sal Valuto, who I believe I know from the Demon. Um, we could talk more about him later, but the basically, you know, Moon Knight has been accused of being Marvel's Batman, and if you just read this comic, you can 100% see where that comes from because this comic essentially opens up like a batman comic where you have a bunch of hoodlums i don't even know what they're doing they are oh, they're, they're like looking at, a telescope. at the
2: stars yeah they're not even hoodluming. they're just oh, amateur astronomers
0: you know what i mixed it because i also read number one i think i mixed it up with number one sorry about that oh, okay so they catch oh. they catch a glimpse of moon knight and we see moon knight standing um at the end of the street kind of looking over it and, um, we see that Moon Knight has like a, a Moon Knight mobile or no, what is this?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm not I don't sure even know what, what he it's calls called. it, but it's a uh, but it basically moon looks moon like, shape.
0: Yeah. It's exactly like the bat wing, except it's shaped like a moon. And throughout the story, Moon Knight is communicating with Alfred. I mean, Frenchie. So Frenchie <laughs> is kind of like his assistant slash Butler slash whatever, who is the pilot of this little plane and he's helping him out. And, um. Oh jeez, man. I shouldn't have read both issues cuz now I can't remember what happens in this one as opposed to the first one. But we have these two guys, these two kind of geeky guys wearing like Hawaiian sort of or weird weirdly patterned shirts who are working for the bushman, who if we remember, what he was in the TV show, wasn't he? Is that who Ethan Hawke's supposed to be? No. 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 No, not even close. No. A man
2: in, in, wearing an avocado shirt?
0: No. No, 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 the Bushman, the black guy with the skull on his face. I don't oh, no, think no, no.
1: that's who because he's supposed to be. Because
0: here's the thing. The names have been changed, but this is the guy that kills the mother of the girl in the story. And this girl, this blonde girl is supposed to be the Egyptian girl in the TV series with just a completely different name. But as far as I know, they have the same like backstory. Hmm. Oh, so interesting. It's very conf- yeah, it's very confusing. Okay. And so Moon Knight is running around. Oh, I know! I know what's happened. I, know, so, I remember now. So, so yeah,
1: maybe. Oh, sorry. I was going to uh, say because
0: Bushman has captured his girlfriend. That's what it is.
1: Okay. Because Bush- they they probably changed. If they wanted to use this character, they probably probably changed the origin for the MCU because this seems like a very unflattering stereotype today right. and like a, a not. A not very usable PC character, Um, right? I mean, he, he, yeah, yeah. It's like a, like a stereotypical like voodoo witch doctor,
0: 100%. So you're right; they probably changed all the the, outfit of a French general, yeah, right,
2: which is weird in itself.
0: And so, in the middle of like New York City, the Bushman sends his Bushmen. To attack Moon Knight with like bows and arrows, like on these rooftops, and um, he takes them out with like these. Again, instead of batarangs, he has like moonarangs or whatever they are. <laughs> and, he, and, he's, <laughs> and they're like you know, like when they hit the ground, there's all this gas that comes out, and he's jumping around on his little. He's got like his little like a little billy club thing he's using to slide along electrical wires. Mm-hmm. And okay, in the worst Spider-Man cameo in Marvel history. Spider-Man just happens to be swinging by. He's talking out loud as if it's narration and describing about, oh, that's not something you see every, you see every day. And um, and then he he sees Moon Knight and he's talking about it. And then we see that he's taking pictures with his camera. But then he says, out loud, "Moon Knight, huh? I thought he was in California. Well, off to the dark room and thanks for the help for the rent, Mooney." And that's it. He, oh, and he actually says, um, "Where does he say that he doesn't need to help him?" There's actually a point where he says he's not going it. to jump in.
1: Um, yeah, might as well take some pictures to sell the paper. This guy sure doesn't need my help. Right. Say cheese, everybody.
0: So this is shit, okay? This cameo is shit. The mm-hmm. fact that they put Spider-Man on the cover to trick people into buying it and to trick the Spider-Friends into reading it. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Betrayed, dude. Right. It's very cheap and I hate it, but it's okay. But it makes for a good review. It makes for entertaining I, conversation. Go ahead. I, I will
1: like, say visually when he is on the panel, it looks great. I yes. love that he swings on and then we see like the panels are inside of the film roll of his right. camera, of the pictures he's taking. That's super fun. Like, it looks really cool. And then I was like, oh, I, I'm kind of, like, excited to see how this is going to work out. Yeah, the next panel, he's like, well, I'm, I'm off. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. He's done. Right. Yeah, it was uh, it was a little bit of a letdown. Because I thought, I thought it was kind of, like, a cool way to bring him into the story.
0: But he doesn't
2: participate uh, in the
0: story. Yeah.
2: No. Yeah, like, I don't even know if we should even finish a synopsis of this book. <laughs> because it's just really full of stuff. Like, literal shit. That, like, does not age well.
0: Well, okay, let's just keep going through, and as soon as you something pops out, you can point it out. But we'll just, we'll just finish it up. So, right. Moon Knight... Uh, oh, because he runs into... Who's this guy here again? I don't even remember.
2: He's just one of the savages, just at the gym.
0: Games. No, 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 the guy that he gasses. Oh. Who's the guy that he gasses? The
2: guy in the ball cap?
0: Oh, no,
1: the the guy, no, the I guy in the in suit. suit. Um... Oh, he... he's the guy
0: that's coming to meet Moon Knight, right? To mm-hmm. give him information, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And he, he... ends up
0: knocking him out,
1: mm-hmm. tying him by his feet, and like dangling out of him out of the moon yes. But before that happens, whatever. yeah, we
0: cut back moon and we. <laughs> before that happens, we cut back and we rendezvous. We 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 see that uh, the girl is you know being held prison in this house, and Bushman's there, and. She's trying to be tough with with them, but it's not working. They won't cut back to the guy. Yeah, he's being dangled by a rope like over the city, and Moon Knight is like swinging him around and punching him and trying to get, trying to find out where the girl is, right? And so finally, she says, or he gives her, he gives him the information, and then um, he drops him on the street, and then uh, we cut over to, oh, which, huh, which yeah. doesn't make any sense
1: to begin with, like this guy his job is to give moon knight the information correct so why is moon knight acting like he's interrogating him
0: because it's crap i think i'm yeah. pretty sure that's why okay. um and so <laughs> and so then moon knight says so what do you want or what does the bushman want and the guy says he wants 10 million dollars and so moon knight's perfectly prepared to pay it but then we cut back to um like moon uh, sorry mark specter with is he with frenchy or who is he with and he basically finds out he doesn't have he doesn't have fifteen million dollars in cash, so he can't pay for it. So then he's like, "Well, then I'll sell my art." And then the, the, he's kind of arguing back and forth. He's getting all pissed off, and then he basically decides. Look, look! Look at this. This is exactly like the Adam West TV show. Remember how Batman had the bust of Shakespeare, and that's mm-hmm. what he. It's like instead, it's a bust of uh Conchu right?
1: I would say. Yeah, King I'm Tire. not sure. This is, yeah.
0: What's yeah, that? Julie? Some sort
1: of like pharaoh.
0: Yeah, or it's a pharaoh. Yeah. So then we cut over to the place where it's the um, the embassy for whatever. I think it's a fictional country. And Mark Spector is trying to disguise. This is so stupid. He's trying to disguise himself as a like, is it a cable repairman? Yeah,
1: some sort of repair
0: guy. Yeah. And of course, he easily tricks the guy at the door, right? Like they always do in these types of situations. And then he, you know, punches the guy out and he sneaks in. And then the two geeks who are watching on the TV see him coming in. And so, um, oh, so then they're, they're, they're pissed off at the uh, the, the, gu- the guards at the gate. Moon Knight, or Mark Spector comes in, knocks out a couple more guys. Then he pulls off his shirt to change into Moon Knight. And then he, he runs in on um, the Bushman who's in the middle of his workout. He beats up a few guys and then smashes through a door. Oh, that wasn't actually Bushman. That was one of his guys. Right, and we yeah. see Bushman on a TV set. And he's like, well, it appears we've missed one another. And he's like, um, I have to fly back over to my beloved homeland. But don't worry, I've taken your lady with me. Farewell, Spectre. And then we see this final melodramatic shot of Spectre on his knees with his head back. Marlene! Oh my lord, Marlene! And that's the end.
2: So, and before we get cancelled, Burinda is a real place. It's a country oh, in okay. Africa. Okay. Where I assume the writer is insinuating the Bushmen come from. And just... Yeah.
0: Um, so this guy wrote more comics than anyone in history, apparently. I've never liked his writing, but I could also... I mean, not that I hated his writing, it's just that it never stood out to me. But now that I finally read a comic and like focused on it, I think the writing here is pretty terrible. Yeah. It's,
1: it's a bummer, because I think the uh idea of this character is super fun right and like him interrogating people to find information about the missing girl it's like standard comic book stuff sure but somehow just done much worse This comic. <laughs> like it seems so, such a, like such a straightforward superhero story but it still is like bogged down by trash
0: yep yeah uh-
2: just, like, stuff that's not informed by any kind of experience. Um, it's like, you may have written, you may claim to have written the most amount of comics in the history of comics. But, have you read a geography have or sociology book about Africa?
0: Yeah, right.
2: Ugh, maybe not. Like, come on. You can... God. Anyway. I mean, I eat a lot of tacos. I'm not... I don't. I don't know where. I don't even know where the analogy or comparison. Well, yeah,
0: you're, you're not going to pretend to be an expert on Mexico, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just. It's. It's it, like Josh was saying. It's sad because there are a lot of ideas that are good in the book, mm-hmm. but the execution is even worse than the first book that we read.
0: Well, okay. I, I'm going to segue into the art. I think the art is actually really good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Sal I don't know much about him, but it's clear that he is an accomplished, experienced artist. Like, in every panel, it's clear he understands composition, anatomy. Like, I mean, it's it's almost
1: unbelievable how good it is. Like, I don't think there's one panel that's
0: off. Right. And the fact that we've barely really heard of him, I think it's because he it's almost like he was too good for the industry. So he ended up doing other things after this. But Mm. he also isn't
2: American. Right, so, he's Italian, yeah.
0: true. Mm-hmm. Every panel, like when the Bushmen are chasing after Moon Knight on the roof and like there's, they're all silhouettes and, and 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 then like he's jumping over the buildings and we cut down to Moon Knight like way up like, you know, like the Worms Eye point of view. And the thing is, though, is that it never seems like he's showing off. It's just effortless. It's like mm-hmm. every single panel, he has a new idea, but it never seems like he's showing off. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah. And it's wasted on this. Again, here's the thing about the plot. I've Sal Valuto could have plotted this whole comic himself just with the art. And we would understand what's going on. And the plot would be okay. But I think it's ruined by some of this really bad dialogue. You know? Mm-hmm. And just the convoluted, like even Spider-Man talking out loud to himself, like that could have been handled a little bit better. And I don't know. It's just too bad because I was looking forward to reading this because, you know, I like Moon Knight and the TV show. I was, you know, it was pretty good. And I was like, oh, cool. We finally get to read Moon Knight. But I definitely would not want to read any more of these if, if they're written by Chuck Dixon.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: I'm just going to look at them. If I come mm-hmm. across them, forget those words. Just Right. Look at how gorgeous they are. Uh <sighs> Power Pack. That's where I knew the name from.
0: Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay.
2: I think... Yeah, you were saying before, and I mean, it's not like a you know the Salvoluto podcast, but I don't think it's that he stopped working and that he was too good for anything. It's that they weren't putting him on any books, and it Which just is, kind of makes of, eye. yeah, right. It's wild. He, he started on, let's see, uh, he started in nineteen ninety eight uh, with Power Pack, and then was oh, assigned.
0: That, yeah, that's a mistake. It's eighty eight. But go ahead. Sorry,
2: yeah. eighty eight. And then was assigned to Mark Spector, Moon Knight, and then he started working for DC, and he stayed there at DC in acclaim for like two decades, and then that okay. was it. So it was just, it was just, it, it was just a job, right? It seems like, which yeah, that's cool. Illustration is a job. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it it says here that he also worked in trading cards and video game designs, which I can totally see. Yeah. yeah, I guess he studied at the Academy of Fine Art. Like, yeah, it makes total sense. Like, he is a professional artist. Yeah. He's great.
1: Yeah, it's it's fantastic The work. Like, the scene of him uh, with Moon Knight in the ship dangling the guy out of the ship and, like, interrogating him is just so good. It's, like, the visuals are simultaneously like stylized and fun but also uh-huh. have this like weird like hint of reality in it like it could 100% happen and i can see it and it's like it feels very real yeah. um it's so good
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah i agree um, uh and just to
2: clear ahead. any confusion up for anybody josh was right it is called the moon copter
0: oh, is that what you okay. called it Hmm.
1: um
2: and its name is Angel Wing.
1: Angel Wing. I kind
2: of love that. <laughs> it's the right amount of ridiculousness that I've signed up for in loving comic books. So. Yeah,
1: that's great.
2: Yeah. <laughs> this book, however, not so great.
1: No.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, I don't know. This, this comic, I'm not going to say I hated it because it's inoffensive enough that i could read it i could continue to read it if i just want to see the art it's just that it's not really good it's not good writing
2: <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it's just inoffensive enough yeah like no book should be described in this way
0: <laughs> yeah like some trust me i read a lot of comics and some of the comics i read they're actually hard to get through so i won't say that this comic is hard to get through it's just that it's bad bad writing <sighs> you know over the top yeah cheesy Uh,
1: emotionally maybe hard to get through with like some of the stereotypes yeah yeah reading wise like the dialogue is just bad it's not hard to get through but it's just like uh like i i found myself just stopping and being like do we really have to read about this character
2: Mm -hmm. like
1: kidnapping a woman it's just like uh, i don't know it feels it just feels wrong to read, almost.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just, yeah, it doesn't hold up. Right the character.
0: Yeah. Now, just so we don't look like complete fools, I'm looking up who Ethan Hawke played in Moon Knight. He played Arthur mm-hmm. Harrow.
2: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I did. Me and Harvey Brent did a whole podcast about
0: oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So who is he? Who is Arthur Harrow in the comics? Then is he Bushman or is he just made up or
2: um, well, that's the thing, is that, um, we fully confess that we did not read the comics, but we did look this up. He is a character in the comics, and he is not oh. the Bushman. He's okay. Yeah, he's, from like, oh, it's, it's hard to describe, but he's from, like, an organization that has a weird acronym, like, SHIELD, mm. you know, like, an off Brit it's not SHIELD, though. Um... But yeah, it, it, his whole his whole plot sort like the whole cult thing sort of aligns with the comics. So it's okay for the most part. It's like drawn from the comics. But he's definitely a white doctor, not a bushman. Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. I, the organization you were trying to think of is Omnium.
2: Yes. Why? Mm. Comics.
0: And, <laughs> I don't even know. It, it's like ridiculous what
2: Omnium stands for too. I wish I could find it really quick. Do you have it open, Mike?
0: Uh, here we I go. Can find out. Give um, me one second here. Earth
2: 616 is the. Come on, come on, scroll, scroll, scroll. The.
0: Oh, it says acronym unknown. Oh. <laughs> <Isn't> That's funny.
2: <laughs> Fine. Also ridiculous. Also, it's <laughs> just. Yeah. Right? I'm like, oh, I'm, it... I want to be mad at that, but I'm actually quite pleased. <laughs>
0: Also, just for the record, this is the third Moon Knight series. There was Moon Knight, then there was Fist of Konchu, Moon Knight, then Mark Spectrum, Moon Knight.
1: Hmm. <laughs>
0: anyway. Well, uh,
1: I'm definitely not going to continue reading this run of, uh, right. of Moon Knight, but I, but I am interested to know more about this character, not right. from this writer. So um, it's going to inspire me to look up some other things to read for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I'm not, uh, for obvious reasons, not going to recommend this one. Uh, But if you if you have it in your hands, please flip through and just look at the panels because it's beautifully done. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. The art is really good. And also, most importantly, it's not really like any other American artist at the time. There's like Mm -hmm. some hints of Neil Adams, but this guy has his own style. Like we said, he's a professional artist. So I I recommend it just for the art.
2: It's informed by a culture and a history of art that is so rare in comic book illustrators. So, yeah, for sure, I too am recommending this art.
0: All right. Well, I guess that wraps up this week's episode of Here Comes the Spider Cast. I want to Mm -hmm. thank G.I. Julie and Josh Mervell for joining me.
2: Thank you. We're always going to be here, though.
1: Well, I mean, not last week, but,
0: you know. Uh, that's
1: true. Mm. Hey so welcome. okay, well Mike. <laughs> yeah. Next week are we talk are we reading are we back to our regular reading schedule?
0: Back to our regular reading schedule. So
1: that's gonna be the last comic books from nineteen eighty eight. Yes. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> Which means
1: we are almost in the last year of Spidey Comics from the eighties. That's true. Can you believe it? Wow. That's crazy. It we is crazy. Nineteen eighty.
0: And also, another thing is that we should inform our listeners that we will be doing a special episode to celebrate Spidey's 60th anniversary soon. So keep your eyes peeled for that.
2: Or your ears peeled.
0: Or your ears peeled because you can't see us. Uh, (laughs) Next week, we will be reviewing Web of Spider-Man, number 45, featuring The Vulture. Amazing Spider-Man, number 309, featuring Sticks and Stone. And, number, or, and Spectacular Spider-Man 145 featuring the Boomerang so be sure to join us then and Josh you can take it from here
1: yeah I want to thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast um, it really helps when you leave this review on uh, Apple Podcast or on YouTube or on Facebook uh, please let us know what you guys think about the episode and the comics we're talking about we want to keep that comics conversation going
0: That's right, and until next Monday, see you later.